Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome back. We're uh, going to continue our journey right here through First Peter, uh, the book of First Peter. We're in chapter two, verse ten. So, I mean, first of all, again, just to again remind everybody, if you're just starting out with this, this is a people who are being written to who are under severe persecution. I mean, they are going through it. They're worried. They're hurt. They're under harassment. They're you know, I think part of me are even just wondering if it's even worth it. I mean, when you when you kind of even look at the language that Peter's using, it's like I think some of them are going like, "Is this even worth it? Like, this is this is rough," you know. And 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 Peter begins almost immediately by he starts out just reminding them how awesome Jesus is. Like, this is a real thing, and this relationship and this intimacy you have with the living God is worth everything because of what Jesus has actually done. And then he goes right from that to reminding them who they are. He, he launches into, this is who you are now. Like you're not just, you're not what you think you, you're not what you were. You're something brand new. You are brand new. You are holy. You are awesome. The previous verse says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And again, these are terms that were used only to describe the Jews. These are terms plucked right from the Old Testament that where he's coming out and he's saying, look, this is absolutely who you are, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And he's basically saying, look, because that's who you are, you are going to proclaim the excellencies of who, him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You know, that, that means a million things. But one of the things it means is we are no longer the people that don't know where we're going. We're no longer people that even though you might feel it in this season, even though you might wonder what is happening, I feel completely weird right now. And I, I don't even know up from down, even though you might be in that kind of a place. He says, you know what? You're really not. You feel that way maybe, but you're not. Like you, he has called you out of darkness and into light. You know exactly where you're going. Because you know who he is. And I'm not talking about you know where you're going when you die, although certainly that's true too. He's saying, I'm saying you know where you're going because you know who you're with. You are with the living God. You are with utmost and absolute perfect love who has imparted that to you and is burning with love for you every second of every day. So he says, <coughs> sorry, I have a little bit of a cough. We got a cough that spread around our house. So Pray for my wife. She's been coughing for like two and a half weeks now. And then my daughter just came home from the dentist because um, they sent her home because she couldn't stop coughing at the dentist. They're worried about that. So anyway, if I cough a couple times, just just letting you know, I got a little bit of cough, which, by the way, is really weird for me. So I don't know what this thing is, but I have not had a cough in probably, I don't know, 15, 16 years. So it's a little weird. But anyway, let's let's keep on going. So he says, verse 10, for you once were not a people but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I just wanna, just wanna point out a couple of things. First of all, I understand, look, during times of trial, during times of confusion, like, like what the people are going through that Peter's writing to, 
the utmost thing that he wants them to know is, first of all, how awesome Jesus is. That's the first thing. Then the second thing he communicates is how awesome they are because of Jesus. <laughs> so then, so what he's trying to tell you is, look, when you are in these times, when you're going through it, when persecution is on the horizon or you're in the middle of it, one of the biggest things to remember is you belong to God. When he says you are his people, he says you, you, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. I mean, the people of God, that means like you are his, you belong to him. And I don't know if you know this, but that, you know, what determines value is what someone is willing to pay for it. Like <laughs> this is weird with houses and stuff like that, right? I mean, we talk about realtors, you can go on Zillow or, or whatever these house sites right now, and you can look up houses and it'll say like, here's your Zestimate on Zillow, for instance. And that's supposed to tell you like kind of a ballpark of what that house is worth. Well, how do they know what that house is worth? Well, honestly, they don't. I mean, basically what they're doing or, or a realtor, if they do what's called a market analysis, right? They'll go and try and figure out how much a house is worth for you. Well, basically what they're doing is they're just pulling any kind of comps, right? So they're, they're trying to like compare a comp is short for compare. They're trying to compare your house with surrounding houses in the area that may be uh, similar in square footage and and you know uh, how big the lot is and etc like and so on things like that and they're just coming back with sort of an average and saying well this is what it's worth but the reality is your house is is truly only worth what someone is willing to pay for it so you know if somebody's willing to pay a, a high price for it then that is what it's worth like we, we talk about like well how much is that painting worth you know how much is the mona lisa worth it's like well it's nothing it's like a piece of paper or you know with some wood i don't know what it's actually made out of with, with some like you know colors on it i mean it's worthless it's nothing but the reality is people are will would be willing to pay like hundreds of millions or whatever i don't know i'm not an art person but whatever that's willing to be paid for it so what's willing to be paid for something is is truly what determines its value and everyone's like well it's worth this much well it's only worth that much if somebody's willing to pay that much for it and what he's saying when he's saying you are you were not a people but you are now the people of God you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy what he's speaking over them these people in trial is is he saying look like your worth is now the level of God's people in other words the most amazing person in the entire universe is now giving you mercy and calling you his so he's basically saying you're the most valuable things that in the universe. I mean, that's what he's saying because he is determining your value and your identity and saying you've now received mercy. In other words, like he has, he has absolutely pardoned everything about you and you re received mercy in terms of your identity because that's the context. He's saying this is who you are because God has given you mercy for what you've done. He's like, I mean, that's huge. He's like, here's the, my mercy poured out on you for what you've done. And then verse 11, he starts it off with an identity statement again. He says, beloved. This is literally the word for like loved ones. Like these are, these are the ones who are loved beyond love. Like, so he's saying loved ones, like you, you who are so loved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. I just, I love these are, these are, are two very, very common um, Greek words, which is basically saying, and they're, they're like synonyms, sort of. I urge you as aliens and strangers. In other words, I want you guys all to know that hearing this, and you probably, I'm sure that you know this, this is talked about a lot, but it's so, so dang true, is that some of you have a deep down in your spirit, like discontent, like 
it's almost like uh, that's one of the reasons I love the movie The Matrix, which some of you guys, uh, I'm sure most of you have seen. But the coolest thing about the movie The Matrix is that whatever that guy's Keanu Reeves character, Neo, yeah, whatever Neo's or Mr. Anderson. Anyway, whatever um, that guy, <laughs> that character, and some other people, they they feel deep down. They, they use the term. It's like a splinter in your mind. And it's this whole feeling that something is just not right. It's like this feeling that something is not right with the world. And they can't shake it. They can't shake that something isn't right. They just feel it. And they feel like, you know, I just feel like something's wrong. You know, something is off. So they never quite feel at home. They never quite feel at rest until, you know, they actually know, until they actually get to experience like that this thing that they're feeling, in fact, has a reality to it. In fact, it is actually more real than the world that they're living in. It was such an amazing uh, kind of analogy to describe exactly what Peter's talking about here. Like, I urge you, he said, he basically says the loved ones, the ones who are so loved, I urge you, I implore you as strangers and aliens. In other words, a lot of you feel sometimes, I think, in this world like strangers and aliens. And that's, you know, that's kind of how you're going to feel. Like, because what's happening inside you is identity that's been imparted from the living God that says, look, I, and again, he, he needs them to know in this, in this time that you are strangers, that you are aliens. Like, you don't actually belong here. Like, your scripture talks about your citizenship is in heaven. So there's a part of you that is like a splinter. You're like, I just can't find peace. And that's because that perfect holiness that is you, that's been given to you as a free gift, is burning inside you. And and it, it longs to see everything around you changed into that perfection. It, it just, it longs to see everything around you bow the knee, especially in the hearts of men, um, in the hearts of women. That they, would, that they would bow the knee to the living God and that everything would conform to his kingship. And it, he's basically saying in that sense, you're like strangers and aliens. So in other words, so I want to let you know, like almost every gospel writer, their, their, their formula or like their, not that it's a formula, but like their pattern, it's kind of like this. Like they start off greeting them and usually they launch right into how awesome Jesus is and everything he's done. And then right after that, they say, because of how awesome he is, this is how awesome you are. And again, it's not always exactly like this, but it oftentimes is like this. And it definitely is like this in First Peter. So he starts off with, Jesus is awesome. You're awesome. And then he basically goes, this is how you need to behave <laughs> because you're awesome. So he doesn't usually start off with, this is how you need to behave um, and perform for religion's sake. He basically goes, this is who you are. Like, this is how awesome you are. And therefore, you will act like this. So that's why he says, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. So some of you guys are asking, what, what is a fleshly lust? Well, um, it would basically be, and he's not even talking necessarily here about, about like your physical body, although I think he probably, that's really the intimation here. He's like, He's basically saying, look, like, please stay away from indulging in stuff that feels good now, but doesn't enhance the kingdom of God and isn't love. Like, that would be probably the best way that I could, I could keep that up. In other words, like, walk in such a way that is in such love and in such honor that it just blows people away. Again, as a result of who you are, not to perform to be something you're not, 
but it's a result of who you are. Because he just spent the entire last chapter talking about how awesome you are. And that's why he's saying, this is why I can tell you, you're the beloved. You're the loved ones. You're the ones who are so incredibly loved. And I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. In other words, what he's saying is like these things that are sin, sin. And if you essentially, let's just call it sin, because that's basically what he's talking about. So if you don't know what sin is, like it literally means um, to miss the mark. But what it really is, is God has put out a perfect um, um, moral standard, essentially like um, what we would consider universal moral law. That, In other words, moral law that applies in every situation, in every context, everywhere. And he basically is saying from that law, anything that deviates from that would be sin. So he's calling them to absolute perfection, which again is you cannot do outside of Christ. There is no such thing as coming close to this standard outside being in him. So in him, you've already achieved perfection because it's imparted to you. And because of that, that's why he says abstain from these things. Like, look, you could indulge in these things. So that's that. That's why he's saying don't do it. In other words, as a believer, you can do this stuff. I mean, it doesn't affect your holiness. It does, like some people define holiness in the weirdest ways. It's like somehow, somehow that guy's holy if he performs well. In other words, he's holy if he like doesn't look at pornography and and fasts a lot and prays a lot and reads his Bible and somehow now that guy's holy. Well, I'm sorry. No, like you can do all that stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with your holiness. Like you should abstain from certain things like fleshly lust, like Peter is talking about. And you should do other things like loving people, giving to the poor, being kind, being gentle, being loving. Yes. Praying. Yes. Fasting. Yes. Reading your word. All that stuff is awesome. Like you should do that, but it has absolutely nothing to do with your holiness. Your holiness is imparted to you as a free gift of God. But what he's saying is, look, this is who you are. Therefore, this is how you'll act. This is how you'll walk. And he's basically saying there's a whole reason for that. So as a believer, you have the freedom. You can do whatever you want. I mean, you can totally sin up the wazoo if if you so choose. But again, this is not who you are and it's super destructive. So it's not that you don't sin now because God gets mad at you. Like he's already forgiven you, washed you clean and filled you with Holy Spirit and made you perfect. That's not the issue. Like we don't sin because we don't want to hurt him number one. Number two, we don't want to hurt ourselves. Number three, we don't want to hurt other people. And and that's the whole kit and caboodle right there. It's like, I don't want to sin because I want to love well. I want to love God well, and I want to love everyone around me well. So I will absolutely do everything I can to walk in holiness and righteousness because it's who I am, not because I'm earning anything and because I love him and because I love others. I mean, I hope this is, I don't know how many times I need to say this, but I still feel like I need to say it like a hundred times every single podcast I do because it seems like this is the number one thing people can't seem to get because that religious spirit is so dang strong and it repeats the same lie about performance over and over and over and over. So I feel like I have to repeat the truth about God's imputed righteousness over and over and over as well. So verse 12, he says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Now, see, there's a reason for this. In other words, he's like, look, you guys need to make sure that you're walking in an excellent way. Excellence, like perfect, awesome, amazing, in a way that is essentially above reproach. And if you don't know what above reproach is, above reproach means it's so awesome that it would be laughable for someone to accuse you of sin. Like people would be like, what are you talking about? 
So keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, in other words, as they look at them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So the whole idea here is this, like the reason he's telling them in this midst of persecution, of suffering, of attack, and of questions, he's saying, look, you need to keep your behavior awesome so that they may... um, you know, keep your accent so that in the thing in which they slander you, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, in other words, he's basically saying this is like one of the main reasons why you need to walk as who you are. You need to walk in such a way that you can't even be accused, especially in the day of accusation. So, here's another thing like when you're going through stuff, you know, when you're going through the fire, and I know I am right now, just to be perfectly honest, like I absolutely am right now. Um, going through the fire. It's a different kind of fire than I've been through. I've been through a lot of crap, especially the last five years, have without a doubt, hands down, been the most difficult by far five years of my life. Um, you know, so it's a different kind of fire. It's a different kind of trial. It's a different kind of, of, of obstacle that I've been kind of walking through and going through um, the last couple of years, especially last year after moving here. And I want to tell you this, like, one of the things I've discovered is one of the ways, one of the reasons you kind of want to kind of want to, like he says, I urge you to, to stay away from essentially any kind of sin. Let's just say that is because as soon as you step into that sin, the accuser of the brethren, and not only can like in this context, he's worried about the actual Gentiles, like people, you know, accusing them of stuff. Cause at the time, by the way, if you didn't know this, Christians were being accused of cannibalism. Like you're asking yourself, what in the world? Like, why would they be accused of that? Well, remember the last supper, this is my body broken for you. Yeah, they heard the Christians saying that and were like, oh my gosh, like they're eating each other. So (laughs) they got accused of all kinds of sexual immorality and incest. And you wonder, well, what the heck? Well, because they called each other brother and sister, um, they would greet one another with a holy kiss, like this kind of stuff, like Paul said that they should do. So people are looking at that and going like, oh my gosh, these people are, are incestual, they're sexually perverted, they're eating each other. <laughs> like, I mean, they were just getting accused up the yin-yang. So, of course, Paul's like, look, man, don't give them any ammo, you know, don't give them any ammo to be able to accuse you. But what I'm telling you is like, not, not only, of course, that's still important now in terms of like, you know, we don't want to be given anybody ammo to accuse us. But again, like I said before, the unfortunate reality is you, you'll be accused mostly by other believers. I mean, for sure, you know, especially if you put yourself out there, your accusation probably won't come from um, non-believers. Usually non-believers are hungry for what you have. This has definitely been the case with me. Uh, I don't know how many kids and people I've led to the Lord because they were just hungry for what they saw in my heart. And again, it was just Jesus shining through. Um, and it, uh, hopefully it doesn't sound, uh, mag- I'm not trying to brag, like some, ma- you know, oh, look at me, I've got this shining thing. And I'm not trying to say that. I'm, I'm just trying to say um, that the reality that when God is shining through you, people want it. But what you'll get is accusation from from believers. So it's so important that you keep yourself in a place where you're walking in such holiness so that, you know, again, let's use Mother Teresa as a great example. Like she did so many awesome things in terms of her life was lived in such a holy and good way. Um, and she, she served so many people that, let's say her theology was a little off. I'm not saying it was. I actually don't really know her theology, but um, let's, let's just say it was. People aren't going to go after her theology and accuse her. You know why? Because the way she's living is living in such a way that you're like, wow, I, I can't even accuse this woman of anything. I, I would be afraid to come under the judgment of God myself, you know. 
that's the kind of thing that, and then again, the, the second part, I want to close with this and we'll, we'll open up next week in a, with a whole nother topic because uh, Peter changes, I don't want to say he changes topics because he, he doesn't change topics, but he does enter into a realm that is going to require a lot of teaching and understanding. And I don't want to jump into that um, without, I want to do it justice. So that that's going to be, I don't know how many podcasts that's going to be, but we'll get into that in a sec. Um, but anyway, right now, so you understand, like, for instance, let's say if you sin in sort of a sexual way, I don't know, maybe you look at pornography, maybe you, um, you know, do something physical with another person, you know, that you shouldn't do, um, and you're not married or whatever. I don't know. Let's just say that you, you're doing that. Well, even if nobody knows about it, um, cause you're like, oh, this is a secret. It's hidden. You know, obviously they can't see it, you know, so I'm not going to accuse by the Gentiles. Well, the enemy will start to accuse you and, and he'll come at you with accusations. And if you have that kind of little closeted sin, um, it, all I'm saying, does it affect your holiness? No. Can somehow God not can't use you? That's ridiculous. Um, is somehow God not going to move through you or touch you or bless you? No, that's all stupid. He loves you and is going to bless you no matter what because you're his kid and he's for you. Um, so why not do it? Well, first of all, again, the normal reasons, like I said, like we don't want to hurt God, hurt ourselves or hurt others. But second of all, it gives the enemy an inroad. So even if you think you're keeping it in secret, what happens is the enemy will come and accuse you and it kind of will have a place to stick. You know what I mean? Like if you're involved in something that you know is wrong, like it'll, it'll just have a place to stick where, whereas that accusation wouldn't really go anywhere, you know, if you didn't have any um, place for it to go, you know, if it's like all of a sudden he comes, you know, the enemy tries to shame you and slam you. You're so sick and perverted sexually and this and that and comes at you, especially in a hard time when you're going through a hard time. You know, when that happens, you'll you'll kind of go, oh, maybe I am sick. Maybe I am kind of gross because he'll remind you of that sin. He'll remind you of that compromise. And so what I'm trying to say is to stay out of that. It's like what he tells us is walk in an excellent way. And I, I say both so that people don't accuse or at least don't have any basis to accuse. Um, again, mostly those will be believers coming at you. Um, but the second thing is so that the enemy doesn't have a place to accuse you. So in this hour, we're going to, um, we need to be just so careful because we're living in a crazy precarious hour where people are so confused and, and for us to walk in a way that can be seen as glorious and good and holy and perfect, um, and to have love pour forth from us is incredibly important right now because the world is going to look for answers. So bless you guys. Love you guys. This next week, we're going to start, um, I'll just read this next verse 13 of first Peter two. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. So right there, we'll open up a whole bag. So we're going to open up that bag on the next podcast. Um, I will talk to you guys very soon, and we'll, we'll open up the bag of why in the world would that even be in this context? All right, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the Give link. Thank you.